Hi guys, welcome back to our podcast. We hope you guys have been doing well, having a good relaxing summer. If you guys have summer break right now, we are back with another episode today. So yeah, we're excited. Today's episode will be all about anger, what it is, why we get angry and how to control it. And we're definitely going to be bringing in a personal perspective too, because we chose this topic for a reason. We both feel that um, our anger management is something we can improve on. But before that, let's do our icebreaker. Actually, a very interesting question that was part of an icebreaker that I participated in for an organization I'm part of. So we really encourage you guys to think about your answer as well. So I'll ask you first, what is one thing you want to change about yourself? And what is one thing that you don't want to change about yourself? And this is in like a deeper, more personality-based level. That's an interesting question. One thing I wouldn't change about myself is my ability to connect with people. It's also something I want to get better at, but I think as it is, I have an ability to connect with people, sympathize, care for them, and know what they're going through and understand their emotions. And so that's a favorable trait. I really agree with that. I think you have a really good way of listening to people and like putting yourself, putting yourself in their shoes. Yeah, and that goes into empathy and sympathy, which we actually have an episode on. Um, Something that I would want to change about myself is maybe how I react and respond during times of conflict or contention like developing my patience, seeing matters from other people's perspectives and just changing the way I react and respond sometimes. So yeah, that was kind of vague, but yeah. What about you? One thing I wouldn't want to change about myself is my constant desire to get involved in causes and organizations and issues greater than myself that help others. So, you know, one simple example is like after our high school ended, my sister and I started a podcast because, you know, I really wanted to share our experiences and help others in any way we can. And joining organizations like I Believe, which I've talked about them so much before, but like, and working with others to support first generation IB school students, and also any service efforts. Uh, So basically, like, the way I kind of go out of my way to seek out opportunities that will help, um, make me a better person, a better learner, a more educated global citizen. So I kind of like the way that I take that extra step to find opportunities outside of the classroom and extend my learning beyond the textbook and try to like make some type of impact on different communities, whether it be through organizations that I head or I'm part of or this podcast. Did that make sense? It definitely did. Like, this is very true about you. Like, you're involved in many organizations and, you know, help lead and work with a community. It involves that community spirit for a greater cause. And I think that's so great. You know, everybody has a different outlook on how they do these things. For us, we just graduated. We kind of have this summer before university. So we are involving ourselves with as many meaningful things as possible to keep ourselves happy and working with like-minded people and building skills and also using our past skills. So definitely. And one thing I would want to change about myself, I'm trying to think of a different answer than my sister because that's, I think what you said is one of my bigger flaws than yours actually. But I think I would say I don't want to 
One thing I would change about myself is my judgment and how I hold grudges on people. So we talked about this in our judgment episode, but even though I don't confront people, like I'll still be friends with you and things like that. I sometimes judge people when they do things differently than me or when they have different values than me, which, you know, that comes with growing up in an international community. So I just want to get better at not holding those inner criticisms. Exactly. Like all of these recurring things we talk about we have probably done an episode on them because it's so important to us so you mentioned judgment we have an episode on that and this one is all about handling everyday frustrations and anger that's something both of us want to work on okay that was actually a very interesting icebreaker now we're going to move on to our episode about anger. So we're going to be talking about anger in general and everything that comes with it. So impatience, frustration, annoyances, grudges, and what exactly is anger? What are the different ways anger manifests itself and why? And finally, how can we better control our anger? So before we start, do you want to share a little bit about what this episode means for you and what you hope to gain out of it? So anger is one of our everyday emotions. Everybody feels anger at some point in different contexts with different people. But I think that, you know, the key to fostering meaningful relationships and protecting your mental health and handling situations properly overall, you need to understand your triggers, you need to understand why you're getting angry, you need to understand how to respond to others when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're stressed out. And so I just think overall, it's a very important life lesson to be learning. We talked about judgment in our last episode. Now we're talking about anger, just these overarching umbrella I don't want to call it a personality trait, but more like an emotion that people feel almost every day. So we thought it'd be great to dedicate an episode to that. I agree. And I also think it's important to have a distinction between getting annoyed and getting angry because like getting angry is much more intense. And that is something that I'm hoping to understand more through this episode and also come up with like coping mechanisms for it because in general I'm not the most patient person and I want to get better at handling um, when I get frustrated or when there's like a buildup of trigger events um, which is typically when I get angry when there's a buildup of something that's been annoying me for a long time um, you know like every time I tell my friends because I'm I actually admit that anger is like a flaw of mine and something I struggle with and it's interesting because a lot of my friends don't believe me when I say that because I kind of come across as like maybe calm sometimes but that's just because I'm I'm obviously more conscious about it around most people because it's not a side of me that I enjoy but obviously your family members will see every side of you so I think my sister has seen my really angry side so I think I just want to gain more clarity through this episode exactly and I know we made a distinction between anger and annoyance but I think we'll talk about both in this episode because when I said that this is something you feel on the everyday basis. I think we feel annoyed more often than we actually get like intensely angry. So I think both can be applicable to this episode. But do we want to start off with just giving a general definition of what is anger? Yeah, so basically, according to psychology today, anger is like, is like a human emotion that is kind of part of the fight or flight innate survival mechanism. And it often results from a combination of the trigger of a trigger event, the existing qualities of an individual, and also the individual's appraisal of the situation. There are also a few habits and attitudes linked to anger. Um, you know, 
such as if you have a lack of self-control or if you're not able to handle your emotions or if you're not very tolerant for minor inconveniences and discomfort or if you have a or if you have an inflated ego, all of those things can lead to this kind of rage that builds up in your body, which is similar to the fight or flight instinctual mechanism that human beings have evolved. That was um, interesting information. Adding on to that, I would also want to say that there are three main approaches of um, anger, and those are expressing it, suppressing it, or calming And expressing your angry feelings in an assertive but not aggressive manner is probably one of the more healthier ways to express anger. Because as you mentioned, it might result from a combination of multiple trigger events or something that's been pent up. Because if you keep your feelings hidden for too long, then you might burst. So that is anger. For sure. I think that's why... A lot of the articles that I was reading while researching, they were all saying that suppressing anger is not actually good. And I think many people in society or in general might actually think that the best way to go about anger is to just not show it because sometimes anger is a sign of weakness. So if you just don't show it, then you won't act irrationally and stuff like that. Um, But I think suppressing it is the same as suppressing any other type of emotion because it can come out uh, you know, in a more extreme way, if it's pent up, and obviously, you should always ask for help and express yourself. But it just depends on how you respond and express yourself. That is true, you shouldn't really be suppressing feelings of frustration towards individuals, because, you know, there's no point in staying in a relationship or a connection without, you know, expressing what your problems are. But I also think it takes a level of maturity to be like, okay, I'm getting angry. So let me just try to end this in the best way possible. Um, You know, especially if it's everyday things like traffic or something, right? If you're angry or you're annoyed, you know, to some extent you should suppress it. It takes a level of maturity, good judgment, and just a balance to do that. That's actually interesting. It made me think of like a small anecdote but like we used to drive to school with our parents before um before we started like carpooling later on but they would get really annoyed at traffic being very angry at traffic but my sister and I we also felt annoyed but we handled it in like a more chill way we were just like oh my gosh there's traffic whereas for them their whole mood would be off like they would start like just getting very negative minded. And I think that is like a diff that can illustrate like a difference with how you handle everyday inconveniences. Like my sister and I, like we ad- admit that we live far from our school, like traffic will happen. So just like deal with it. Like we learn to deal with it. Whereas it's funny, like our parents still like every time they see traffic, even though it's inevitable, like this is the Philippines we're living in, they still look at it and they still get annoyed every time. Yeah, that's very true. Obviously, like context, you know, people are coming from different situations, different personality types, and they react differently to situations. Like, you know, our parents have jobs, but we are just going to school. It's very different. Seeing traffic will kind of rattle their emotions much more. So, yeah, that was an interesting anecdote. Now we'll move into talking about four types of anger. And, you know, we found this through research online and I found it very interesting. So what is the first type of anger? The first one is justifiable anger. So this includes any type of moral outrage at the injustices of the world. So it can be large scale, like the oppression of human rights or personal level, like an abusive relationship that you're in. 
So justifiable anger has benefits in the short term because it can manifest itself in the form of positive change. So this is definitely one that I didn't know was like a term, I guess. But I guess you can say, you know, youth activists like Greta Thunberg, for example, the main reason why she started to organize those um, Fridays for the Future climate strike marches is because she was first, I guess, angry at the situation like why are these politicians and big companies not doing enough about climate change so that resulted in like a positive change and it was completely justifiable as well very true and you know especially the world today is very polarized there are lots of aspects to it where there's a lot of hatred and you know oppression and violence against people of your culture your race whatever the issue might be you know if you see it through television you might feel helpless and therefore even more angry and you want to strongly condemn and stand up for what you believe in and so that is definitely justifiable anger you know we have the right to demand change from higher authorities from people in power you know be angry at you know, the fact that maybe countries or governments haven't reached tangible goals to mitigate climate change and curb fossil fuel use. You know, we have the right to be angry about that, but, you know, it will be the most beneficial if it can catalyst into action for change in any way possible. So the next one is annoyance anger and annoyance anger can arise from the many frustrations of daily life, like traffic or arguments with a family member. Yeah, so that, yeah, that ties into the anecdote we were talking about earlier with traffic. I think that is a less of a justifiable situation to be angry in compared to the previous one we talked about. But, you know, we all get stressed out in everyday situations, like sometimes traffic can be bothering you much more than other days because you have a meeting to catch that's very important or you're nervous for that meeting. So it really depends on situations that can trigger your annoyance. Yeah, or if you're like really hungry and the milk tea place is, you know, taking too long for your order, obviously it's natural to get a little bit annoyed. But if you think about it in a more like general perspective of the privilege you have and all of that, it, it really changes it immediately. But you know, the, the the emotion of feeling hangry, you know, when you're hungry and angry at the same time, like it's not pleasant. Yeah, it really isn't. And I experience it a lot. And my sister always says like, oh, just think about like your context, your privilege, think about something else and you'll get over it. And that's definitely one of the coping mechanisms we'll talk about later. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that when it's something like, okay, you're tired or you're hungry or something that 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 you have to understand that you're saying it in the heat of the moment type of thing. So once you take that out of the perspective, then, you know, you might respond differently. The next one is aggressive anger. So this is in a situation where one individual attempts to exercise dominance or intimidation or manipulation or control over the other. Um, I guess you could also say this is when there could be more more like violent conflict or screaming and shouting, I guess, because that's when it can get really aggressive like because like anger doesn't always have to be expressed in an angry way if that makes sense like i think when we think of anger we think of screaming and shouting but you can be angry and also be calm but aggressive anger is really when i think like you start shouting and taking control over others using bad words etc definitely i think aggressive anger should be very much last resort or avoided as much as possible the last type of anger would be temper tantrums and temper tantrums are disproportional, unpredictable outbursts of anger when an individual's wants or needs 
are not fulfilled, no matter how unreasonable and inappropriate, you know, the, the, they could, you know, have temper tantrums over menial things, over more important things, over things that you can't control, things they, they cannot control. And, you know, when I think of temper tantrums, I usually think of like really young babies who maybe don't really understand as much, but, you know, it can even happen with grown adults, teenagers, sometimes when you're just not in the best mood and maybe you didn't um, get to watch a TV show or maybe like your computer battery died and you want a new something, I don't know. So you can just throw a temper tantrum. I think this is different from aggressive anger because I feel like aggressive anger is like more characterized by long episodes of like aggression and shouting and stuff. Whereas I view temper tantrum as more like a quick snap. Like you just like snap at someone or you just like for two seconds, you're like, oh my God, I'm so annoyed. Like this is so annoying. And then you just like leave it. Um, I, I think that's kind of how I see temper tantrums too. Now we're gonna kind of talk a little bit more about personality traits that link to anger because I feel like this segment of the episode can help not only you and I but also our listeners to identify if that's something they struggle with as making them more prone to being an angry person. So the first one is if someone is entitled or has a sense of high entitlement I guess so believing that one's rights and one's privileges are superior to those of other people. This one is quite a dangerous one because if if you feel like you deserve everything and you're entitled to everything, just small things that don't go your way will affect you. Like, you know, if you are having to wait for a seat in the restaurant, you might get annoyed and, you know, throw a fit (laughs) with the waiter, you know. So, yeah, this one's quite dangerous. The next one, the next type of personality trait is focusing on things that are out of personal control. So, you know, if you're maybe focusing on, if you're angry at somebody for something that they cannot control, similar to the example I just brought up, like the people who work at the restaurant can't control the fact that it's super crowded. So, and then you get angry at them for that. It's not really fair. That's a good interpretation of it. But I think also um, it's like if you're focusing too much on, let's say if you're in a relationship and you get really angry at your partner's behaviors and that's the only thing you're focusing on and it's making you angry, maybe you can start by figuring out how you can change. You know, like if there's something that they keep doing that's angering you and they're not willing to change and you're just getting angry at that, how can you change? You know, like maybe maybe if they're constantly throwing um temper tantrums and you're also like fighting back maybe you can change by being like okay this time I'll walk out you know like just kind of figuring out how you can change um instead of always worrying about oh I want to change that person's behavior I hate it when that person does this you know how can you lower your expectations and fix not fix but like how can you um alter your expectations a little bit more so you don't get so annoyed at the other person The next one is refusal to see others' perspectives, which I think is the biggest reason why arguments happen in the first place, um, and which is why empathy is so important as a kind of counter to anger. Because if you don't see the other person's perspective and you always think that you're right, you, you definitely will have that sense of entitlement. So if both sides are able to express themselves more, and if there's a, because oftentimes there isn't a clear right and wrong. So that's why the anger can feel even more, irrational sometimes because like nobody was right necessarily and nobody was wrong necessarily but you all just have your own perspectives on the issue 
Yeah, one of the biggest problems in an argument, usually when people are frustrated or not happy, is that it becomes very one-sided and, you know, both parties or whichever, however many parties keep yelling at each other. And this can be seen in like the more global diplomatic stage when countries are arguing or policymakers are discussing laws and lobbying, you know, they don't refuse, they refuse to see each other's perspectives. And this also leads to heightened polarization in political parties. So just in everyday life, you know, it doesn't have to be when there's a conflict, just in any time when you're talking to somebody, look at things from their perspective too, because it's not black and white and you shouldn't really have that like righteousness perspective. Yeah, I liked how you talked about the global diplomatic stage too, because it's important to talk about, you know, in our episodes, we like to talk in a micro level, but also sometimes go to a macro level on how things like empathy, judgment, anger can affect more global, geopolitical, and interpersonal relationships in the real world. It can even manifest itself in conversations between different groups of people. So, you know, um, Democrats versus Republicans or pro-life versus pro-choice people or people who believe climate change is a hoax versus people who don't. Um, If you can't see the other person's perspective, it manifests itself into increased polarization and more division and more partisan politics comes into play as well. So I think when you can't see the other person's perspective and you're not willing to learn and you only are fixated on knowing, which is also one of our podcast episodes, that can lead itself to more anger and then more polarization and violence even. Agreed with all the examples of the groups and that's definitely a good reminder and a big factor as to, you know, many of the conflicts. The next one is low tolerance for discomfort. And you know, this one's very true, especially for those who have grown up very privileged with, you know, receiving a lot of their wants and their needs. And, you know, it might be hard for them to adapt. We grew up with a lot of privilege and we have always been very lucky. And so, you know, when there are things that are a bit different, little less than what you expected, I think it's very important to know that. Growing up in privilege, growing up sheltered, growing up in a bubble is not the reality of the world. And if you are at least aware of that, then your expectations will be balanced. Yeah, that's also very important for us as we're moving into university because we'll have to take more things into our own hands and become more independent and cautious of things than I guess we had to at home. Like in our house, you know, if one day we don't do our laundry or don't make our bed, it's like, it's perfectly fine. But in university, nobody's like going to do it for us or pick up after us. So I think those types of things, if you start to have a very low tolerance for, oh my God, why do I have to make my bed? I think that's where the privilege comes into play and people need to like check themselves and realize that um, that's not really a justifiable reason to get angry, like annoyed, sure, but like not really angry. So those are some really interesting personality traits that are linked to anger in general. So yeah, we hope you guys learned something from that segment. Now we'll kind of talk a little bit about why being angry is okay, because we have mentioned that it is quite a common everyday emotion that people experience. Um, And, you know, being angry might feel good sometimes because you get to vent a little bit. Like personally for me, when I'm annoyed at someone or something, I talk to my sister or my family members or my friends. And it's kind of like venting or ranting, which sometimes, you know, releases that stress. But other times it can also get toxic. But regardless, it gets some pressure off of you. I agree with that. Like, I think having people you trust to talk to is very important. 
and also anger you know in a kind of evolutionary sense it's your brain's way of keeping your you safe you know you can and should investigate what has triggered your anger and obviously be rational to evaluate the facts and decide on what was the root cause of it you know instead of um kind of just being throwing a temper tantrum if you're more kind of um calculated on how you approach it because if you're if you just shout about it it's not going to solve the problem but if you figure out the root cause behind it it might actually solve the problem so kind of sometimes being angry can be a trigger to something better like to solving an issue in your life or alleviating pressure but when anger is a trigger to shouting and conflict that's when it's not good yeah and like sometimes when you're actually in the middle of shouting and stuff you might realize that what you're doing is bad and you might feel guilty but sometimes in the heat of the moment you really cannot control how you respond so like you mentioned investigating whatever triggered your anger and like the best path forward to understand anger and this is what we got from some of our research is kind of adding on from what you said understand the roots understand your triggers what gets you annoyed and the consequences of your reaction like if you react like this it could really hurt other people um so it might also require some of that understanding of how to really manage it because we you know on the one hand sometimes we're saying don't suppress it you should express it but also you need to be able to manage it if you know it's irrational because anger does have the ability to make us you know uncontrollable guilty and you know you might regret how you do it so know how to express it in a productive way you should always definitely express when something is wrong but um you know that's better than suppressing it and letting it build up but there's obviously a better way to express yourself there never needs to be feelings hurt or you know bad words used i guess um and also sometimes people might think that unleashing anger provides a sense of catharsis that people crave but it actually tends to feed on more further negativity like you know unleashing anger in a productive way can provide a sense of catharsis you're like few i finally said what i needed to say i now people know how i feel hopefully now things will change but if it's like a scream fest or something very aggressive like i know i keep saying like screaming shouting but can even like be through texts like you know those aggressive texts if you're like having an argument with your significant other or a friend on text even that you know it doesn't actually provide relief necessarily i feel like it would make someone feel more negative more caught up in their own head so i think um doing it in a more calm productive calculated way where both sides hopefully have the intention of resolving the conflict is the best very true like if somebody's angry and just yells a bunch of like curse words like that's not very productive and there's actually no meaning to it so a lot of times the the reasons we're angry are actually much deeper maybe it's a financial dispute or something like that so that is when you really have to make sure you're cultivating the ability to be to express in a productive manner and have that communication for sure and i think um i wanted to also elaborate on the point i just said which is hopefully both parties have the same goal of maintaining the friendship or maintaining the relationship and ending the conflict because if it gets to a point where you realize that the other person it's just like not worth it anymore like no matter what you say what you do your anger is not worth it like they're not they're just not on the same page as you it might be best to not keep feeding that negativity in so hope like would you agree when i say like hopefully both sides 
don't like like hopefully you none of you like the anger process like hopefully you all want to end it as soon as possible you know definitely agrees so the other thing with that also is that the person you know that you're in conflict with their goal should be to alleviate it not play the blame game not rehash the whole thing and be like you did this you this you that so that should not be the goal maybe the initial part of it they'll want to you know talk through why it got to this to begin with but ultimately the goal is to move forward and learn something so now with all that being said we'll go into the recipe for success segment a lot of these are quite you know you've probably heard it many times but we would just like to reiterate it and some of them are a little more nuanced what my sister and I have seen works for us because we are both you know we're twins but weirdly enough like when we're angry a lot of what we react and say are the same but a lot of it is also different so we kind of learn from each other but also talk about what worked what didn't work what was productive and what was straight up unreasonable so yeah I completely agree like I think we definitely keep each other in check because if there are situations where we get stressed out or frustrated, it's normally not simultaneous. Like it's normally like I'm all of a sudden I'm hangry, but my sister's not. So then she can help me um, control my hangriness or whatever it may be. Hanger. Yeah. Should we, should we have named our podcast episode that? Actually. <laughs> yes. But anyway, we're now going to talk about some tips for success. So We'll also talk about like, you know, if we feel that this works for us in situations where we've gotten angry. So the first one, which is always like the, the case for a lot of things with emotions is to relax and take deep breaths. Our grandma always says like count to 10 um, or sometimes like sleeping it off. Like that actually helps a lot. And I'm not even talking about being angry necessarily, but like when I'm really annoyed and um in this bubble of negativity negativity because of something one night and then I wake up the next morning and I am thinking much more clearly. So I think all of that goes in one category. True, is it weird that I've seen the advice take deep breaths so many times that like I've actually never tried it myself. Like I see it and I kind of just dismiss it. Like I've actually never tried taking deep breaths when I'm angry. Um, maybe because I assumed it wouldn't work or because I've seen it so many times, it seems a little cliche I think it's probably because when you're angry you're not thinking right and you're impulsive and like you know a lot of times you just want to say what you have to say um when the opportunity strikes so you might not take the time to relax and take deep breaths but I think we could start to be more intentional with that or at least the counting method yeah I also agreed with the you know like the sleep it off um, you can also distract yourself by listening to music. That's what I do. If your mind is really fixated on one thing, like maybe let's say you get a grade that you didn't think was fair and you're like, oh my God, like this is everything in the world matters on this grade. If you listen to some music or distract yourself, soon you'll realize there are other things going on and it'll make you have a little more focus. The next one is just either stay silent or leave the situation. And sometimes this can come across maybe to some people as a sign of weakness, like, oh my God, I couldn't have had the last word. But I think in hindsight, it is a better thing to do than lash out and say something that you regret. Would you agree? Definitely agree. Because if you know your triggers and something's triggering you and you know that if it gets to you, it could, you know, get a lot worse. It is best to leave the situation. However, leaving the situation, like you mentioned, you might not 
the parties involved might not get the closure they want. So it might not have actually concluded the situation, but it's one way to do it. Okay, the next one is kind of just changing your mindset and your thought process because when people get um, triggered, I'll just say triggered because we keep saying angry, when people get triggered or annoyed, they tend to curse, swear, speak loud and be very expressive. Um, but try to replace that exaggerated and overly dramatic thinking with more rational ones, you know, speak calmly, speak with your full kind of, you know, think before you speak, even when you're trying to express something in the heat of the moment. Yeah, and um, I've heard a lot of podcasts by Brené Brown on this because she's an emotions professor. Like, just simple things, like the ch- just changing some wording. So I can't think of an example right now, but instead of always saying you should, you can change it to like, I wish you, I don't know, like I don't, I'm not really an expert on that, but you know, like to change some of your words so it's not like super harsh. Like, you know, like instead of using words like, you never do this. It's like, I wish you could do this more, things like that. <laughs> yeah, I really liked that. Actually, very true. Very um, educated podcast vibes. Yeah, like those are like, I guess um, that's kind of why I like Brené Brown because she gives like actionable advice. It's one thing to just say, don't be rude when you're angry, but it's another thing to like give people actionable tips, like replace words, you know, so you're more intentional with that. The next one is, not to dwell or hold grudges, which I said in the beginning of the episode that I tend to do because sometimes you keep rehashing the incident that made you mad or you keep rethinking about other things that the person did in the past or other things um, that led up to that situation. And, you know, if you've already resolved the situation that angered you, um, try to let go of the past incident. It's the whole thing about forgive and forget. Like, You know, for me personally, I can forgive, but I don't really forget, which is the grudge aspect. But if you're holding on to it so much, if you're dwelling on past incidences that triggered you so much that it affects you from moving forward, that's when it can affect you. So find ways to distract yourself and just move on because moving on is better for all parties involved. Definitely, because a lot of times our ego is like, you know, we want to see the blame on the other person. We want to be proven right. But if you have moved on from it, stop rehashing it just, you know, it's not gonna make anything better. And the last recipe for success is improving your communication skills. So if the community, if the, um, if the relationship, you know, whether it's a professional, personal is built on open and honest communication to begin with, you will avoid any um, really deep, deep misunderstanding because conflicts and all that are very common. But if the communication and the understanding is mutual, then there'll be less risk of a full on, you know, brawl on people's like on deep things like your personality and your work ethic and all that stuff. There are obviously many more tips like that, that you can say, like, go for a walk, clear your mind, talk to someone, get help. But I think those were some of the tips that we wanted to mention. So for our exit ticket, I thought that it would be good for my sister and I to open up a little bit and like be a little vulnerable, guys. Hello. Um, And like share one of our anger incidents um, between each other. Um, You know, as as much as anger is like not a good thing, but like, you know, with my sister, at least we can reflect on it and move forward together because we're sisters. So there's a shared goal of like, we want to get over this as quickly as possible. Um, So yeah, we want to like talk about how we improved from it too, because we definitely improved um, in the context we were in as well. Just for some context, um, throughout high school, my sister and I played badminton doubles. And when you're playing doubles with your partner, like even if you're not sisters, it's very common in any sport, if you're like, you know, even tennis doubles, I'm sure, 
you sometimes get annoyed of the person. You Sometimes you get annoyed at the person, I mean. Um, and those daily annoyances happened pretty often, but you know, those were brushed off. But there was just like one incident where it kind of escalated a little bit more to more blaming and this, that in around grade nine. So I can just say from my part. So I guess what happened for me is, I'm not sure if we talked. Yeah, I think we talked about it before uh, as a personality trait when you're when you're focusing on the other person's behavior and then you, you get angered by the other person's behavior instead of thinking about what can I do better. So I would get angry at like I would blame my sister for like ending the rallies and making us lose points when a lot of the times, you know, it's a team effort. You know, sometimes I didn't set up the shuttle properly for my sister and then our opponent would smash it and then my sister wouldn't be able to receive it. And then I would get mad at my sister when I was the one who set it up wrong. So there was a lot of blaming on my part, which is why the anger happened on my part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just a really good anecdote because going back to the badminton thing, when you're playing doubles with a friend or someone who's not a family member, usually your guard is a little bit up. But when it's with your sibling, your guard is down. So you can like be angry at them because how you respond and treat family is obviously really different from, you know, more professional colleagues and other people. Um, so yeah, in badminton, you know, sometimes we would resort to blaming, you know, if we would lose a rally, like what happened in that rally and what we would improve. But I think um, we solved it over time. So in grade, grade nine, we were very young and it was like our first time. So we were also quite insecure in our abilities with the other upperclassmen. I mean, as compared to the other upperclassmen, but as we got older with more practice, um, you know, even if there was a lot of pressure, we wanted to be a little more secure in our abilities. And instead of playing the blaming game, we would change our tone. We would change how we responded and then like, we would kind of treat it more as a team thing and we would also motivate each other more because we never really motivated each other. We would always put a lot of pressure on ourselves. For sure. There was a lot of pressure because we both wanted to get into this like overseas tournament competition. So what we started to do as we got older is first of all, our skills also improved. So you know, like that obviously comes naturally, but we start, we had like a handshake <laughs> before each game. And we also like between rallies, we would like we'd stop to talk with each other. Um, and like, what could have gone better? Because in grade nine and stuff, when we would stop to talk between rallies, we talk about what happened in that rally. Why did you miss? Whereas now we're like, it's okay. The next one we're going to get. So like future instead of dwelling, um, because it was very important for my sister and I, because, you know, we're sisters. So a little bit of the, annoyance thing is completely okay like we're not gonna like get mad at the other person and sabotage the game you know because we had a shared goal um but also like we started to notice you know I guess other doubles pairs as well and what can happen if you don't work well together because not only can your friendship suffer but the game will also suffer and there's this awkward tension where you're not talking to each other at least that never happened with us because we're sisters so even if you were angry at each other we would talk so I think like so what would you say is the best tip that got us out of that, aside from what we mentioned about better communication and more motivating and forward thinking? I think just having the collective goal of knowing that we have put in our best foot forward and you know we have practiced a lot. And so therefore there's, you know, it's not a winning recipe if there's internal conflict. You know, what's going on inside will reflect the game as well as much as, you know, if I'm like yelling at you to hit a smash, you know, like 
how you play will get affected ultimately with what's happening between us as well and you know we're siblings so it was a little more heightened at least from my in my opinion just because when you're playing with a family member you're not as cautious about how you respond because you know i'm i'm i mean i don't want to hurt your feelings right but if, since it's since it's my twin i can get away with it sometimes but we did see other doubles pairs also kind of struggle but you know they would have to suppress their annoyance because obviously they don't want to put all the blame on the other person so the tip i would just say is build a strong mutual understanding know that both of the people are very much in this to win and just know that even if you even if the game is very challenging if there's conflict between you two you've already lost you know if you come on with that tone with that blaming mentality you've already lost there's no way you'll win i really agree with that shared mentality thing because also my sister and i knew very early on that like we would only succeed with playing doubles with each other like you know we we did okay with singles, I guess, but we always really wanted to do doubles and there was nobody else who we felt we would click with. So it was almost not that we were stuck together, but like we knew that we could only succeed together. So we had to make it work and we did. Like even our coach knows, even our friends know that in the beginning we struggled with communication. We also struggled obviously with the skill set because in grade nine and stuff, our first overseas tournament um, it was so nerve wracking and like we got angry at each other also because like, you know, it was almost like we were both under so much pressure from the outside that we kind of channeled it by getting annoyed at each other as well. I would rather just be like, okay, we both will do our best because we both also train together. So we know each other's weaknesses and strengths. So um, to being, being aware of that is also important. It was a very good moral of the story. And I know this was a little bit of a tangent, but I think it was really interesting. Hopefully you guys took away something. The same coping mechanisms and lessons we've learned about anger applies to your family or your friend or a stranger. Exactly. The same coping mechanisms do apply because I was actually going to ask another question about how anger should be handled with family versus friends. But I think we covered that really well with this anecdote. Yeah, I mean, to add to that, I feel like family knows more about you and they have more of your best interest at heart. So I think, I feel like with your family members, you should always put in a little bit more effort to resolve things quickly because they're your family. Whereas for friends, sometimes they just really won't be in the same page as you. So like I said, like if there's only, if it's only you trying to resolve the situation and they aren't, it might not be worth it. What do you think? No, it's very true. Like what I was talking about, like your guard is more up when it's not a family member. When it's a friend, just know that like your family is more loyal to you than a friend. So your friend might be a little more aggressive, a little more brutal, um, and it might get a little more messy with a friend. Um, but with a family, you can usually be rested assured that the, you know, you're trying to alleviate the situation. So, you know, respond to it differently, but at the same time, try to do it in the most productive way possible. I think also different aspects of your personality will come out when you're with different people. Like if you're angry at a friend versus a family member versus, I don't know, like a stranger or like a restaurant owner or some like a, like a driver who swerved in front of you in the road, like it, it really depends. But in both cases, I think you just have to dig deep and figure out how you want to react and how you want to preserve your own dignity, I guess. Exactly. It's different for everybody, depending on the context and the situation. But we hope you took something away with our you know, definition of anger 
the four types of anger and you know personality traits that are linked to it as well as why sometimes it's okay to respond in that way and be frustrated and then recipe for success and of course followed by our little anecdote we hope you guys appreciated our little vulnerable moment anecdote. Like a lot of our podcast episodes, obviously we do it for a reason because either we've seen it be an issue or we ourselves struggle with it. Um, but in this case, I think we really shared like a deep story that was like a personal, like kind of vulnerable moment between my sister and I as well. And hopefully that helped give a more clear illustration of how anger manifests itself and made it more relatable instead of just saying, oh, when you're angry at someone, you do this, you do that. This was a little bit more explicit. Yeah, hopefully you guys appreciated that. And I also learned a lot from this episode, actually. Same. I also did because we kind of take the, we, we feel like we know everything about it or there's nothing to know about it, but there actually is a lot of research. So yeah, we hope you guys feel the same way. Thank you for tuning into this episode and we hope to see you for the next one. Bye guys.